This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. A lot of episodes these next three weeks, this week and the next two weeks. We're doing the New York City Marathon recap series as well as your regular Friday episodes. So you're getting three episodes a week, this week, next week, and the week after. Big thank you to Emma Benner, who is my editor. She is working very hard to make this happen. And thank you to all the guests who are coming on the show. Today's guest is Ben Blankenship. Really excited about this one. Ben is known as a miler, really, a 1500 meter guy. And he is going to be training for his first marathon under the coaching of Ryan Hall. So really excited about that. Ben is a 2016 Olympian. He placed eighth in the finals in Rio. He's a U.S. 10K champion from 2018, a National Club Cross champion. And we get into his history and his love of running and what it looks like to become someone who is training for a marathon from a 1500 meter background. I am really excited to share this episode with you all. Uh, Friends, this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Whether you are a big runner, you like to ride your bike, whatever it is you are doing to push your body, it's really important to know what's going on inside your body so that you can compete and train to the best of your abilities. I would hate to put all this time and energy into training and know that I could optimize certain things and it could be so much better. Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking to identify where you are optimized and where you're not. I did my panel with Inside Tracker and my ferritin was not super low, but it was low enough that the dietitian I spoke with on this podcast told me, hey, if I were training for a marathon, I'd go ahead and take a supplement and, and get it up a little bit because you'll feel better. So that's what I'm doing. I am taking, it's Hemaplex. That is the specific iron supplement that Maddie Alm, who is a dietitian that's been on this podcast, uh, recommended. I love the Inside Tracker breaks down every single thing, tells you where you're optimized, where you're, where you're not, and also gives you specific nutrition information on how you can better fuel your body based on what your results said. So the good news is you all can save 20% at Inside Tracker for your next blood test when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. Going to that specific URL, insidetracker.com slash another will get you 20% off for a limited time. You can also use the code another to get that 20% off if you don't go to that exact landing page. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Ben Blankenship on the show. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, thank you. Hey, I was looking back through old emails with my assistant, Emma, and I realized we had you on our list to pitch in like 2020. So two years later, we finally made the pitch and we're doing the interview. So I'm excited to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know what kept us from so long, but maybe this was meant to be. Yeah, I, I finally came into, you know, maybe it was a prediction. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was a sign that you are now 
you know, like focusing on some marathon builds and things like that. It was just like the world knew that Lindsay wanted to interview you, Ben, when that was happening in your life, because I do tend to focus on those longer distances. And in 2020, did you have any thought in your mind that you might be transitioning to marathon training? Uh, a little bit. Um, my story with the marathon kind of goes back to like 2019 okay. and maybe a little bit earlier, but 2019, I, I spent, I had the opportunity to kind of spend a little bit of time with Ryan up in flag and he slowly kind of planted this idea about like, really want to take a 15 guy, kind of a middle distance guy into the marathon. And I was kind of like joked with him, like, that's not me, man. That's definitely not me. <laughs> like, you got to find some other person. And he kind of just kind of like slowly put this notion out there. And I think like talking training with him. And I'm always the guy that has stood at workouts and been like, man, I'm always jealous of the people who always get to do these longer, bigger sessions. And that idea has always excited me. Um, and this is kind of where we ended up. So he kind of planted that seed pretty early. And then it was just kind of going over time about like, what's the stuff that I need to do for the track um, that I'm a little bit, I, I think that's maybe a bigger conversation, but yeah, it kind of started back in 2019. So a little bit, but I, I didn't think we'd be here right now. Oh, I'm so excited. And for those listening, he's talking about Ryan Hall, who is coaching him. And um, we're going to dive deeper into that because I'm really excited to hear, you know, how that relationship came about and and yeah. what that coaching is like. But uh, I want to also educate listeners on your history as well. You are a 1500 meter guy, historically. Yeah. Uh, how did you, <laughs> how did you land on the 15 way back in the day you went to Mississippi state university and when did you realize that this was your thing? Uh, I, I never wanted to be like, truthfully, I never wanted to be uh, a miler or a 15 guy, even in high school. I never wanted to, I always wanted to run like the two mile. And then even in college, I always wanted to run the 5k, um, I started my college career at Mississippi State, and then I went on to Minnesota for my last three years. Um, so I spent my first year at Mississippi State, and then when I moved to Minnesota, we had Hassan Mead, who ran really well over the 5 and 10K distance, and it was kind of a natural fit for me in the mile, but I never really wanted to do it. My heart was always like, I want to run the 10, and I want to run really well over the 10K distance, but I never I never did. Um and it was always kind of like, you're good at the 15, let's keep running it. But I always kind of wanted to do more, if that makes sense. It was always like, I want to do more mileage. I want to run bigger workouts. I want to run the 10. <laughs> um, and it was always like, let's run the 15. And I was like, okay, I had success. Let's keep running it. So did you feel like you just had to stay in the 15? Like, why did you feel like you had to stay? And were you just listening to the advice from coaches and teammates or what? Uh, a lot of it comes down to like, once you kind of have success in something, you want to have more. Um, and I never felt like that transition was going to happen naturally. I was never going to be like, okay, I can take my 1500 meter training and run a good 10 or run a good five off of it. Like I ran a couple good three Ks, but I think stretching it, especially then when we were training for like the 15 back in 2015 or 2016 or 2017, the training never set up to really run a good 5K. Mm -hmm. It was always like, 
we have to get in really good shape to run probably the best 3K shape going into the trials or going into championships to have success. And I never felt like I was in a position physically to run a good five or especially a good 10. So, wow. It's it's like the majority <laughs> of your career has been focused on 15. And I know you ran the U.S. champs in 2018, 10K, 29, 21. So you have like dabbled in these other distances. But like when you look at your, you know, big accomplishments for the longevity of your career, it really is 15. And I'm trying to think of other 1500 meter runners who comes to mind immediately as Sarah Vaughn, who has yeah. you know, transferred over to the marathon. Now, can you think of others that have been like that short of a focused distance that have turned into marathoners? Yeah, there's a few. Um, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, he was a, uh, finalist in the 15 and then i think he won a bronze in the marathon back in the 80s um there's been a few um but no i can't think of anybody recently um and i think there's a lot of reasons for that i think when i think about like guys who have had a ton of success on the track and then go to the marathon i feel like it's always been kind of for a paycheck it's always been like okay mm. my track career is kind of done I can kind of debut in a marathon, get paid, and their running time is kind of up at that point. And they never gave themselves enough time to really dive into the marathon, to really take those, you know, 18 months, two years into building up a good marathon. Um, I always have kind of felt like, okay, it's kind of at the tail end of their career. They're tired and they're ready to kind of move on, but they're like, okay. I'm going to run a marathon, get paid, and then if I have success, maybe I'll stay in it. But usually it's like right at the tail end of their career. That's so interesting. Yeah, and you're – so you're 33, right? I am, yeah. So you, ha you have some time here. So that's interesting when you've decided – to transition like you're doing this at a time where you're like it's not that I would don't totally be done on the track but it's time for me like physically and emotionally to move to this and you're you're really at 33 at a really good spot to be starting in the marathon yeah that's that's kind of my hope that's my goal that like I started early enough that I still have a lot of time to develop um I, I I think the women really show a lot of promise, right? Like they've really come into their own mm -hmm. at an older age and have had a ton of success. And I don't know why it can't be the same on the guy's side. Yeah. What do we see with the men? Because, yeah, you're so right on that. You know, you're talking Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, Sarah Vaughn. Yeah. Susanna Sullivan, like all these women right now that are in their mid to late 30s. And I mean, really approaching 40 for some of them. And it's just peak peak, peak, peak. Yeah. But we don't see yeah. that as much with the men, do we? I mean, we could talk about Abdi running yeah. in Abdi, the Olympics. Abdi's a great example. Yes. And, yeah. you know, one of my favorite things about him is he focuses so much on how fun this is and how much he really just loves to run. And I think that that's really, that's a huge credit to why he's been able to do it for so long. Um, so you're, yeah, so you're, you're kind of going on this track as well to, to be in it for the long game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is a blast. It is super fun. And to kind of live this lifestyle for 10 plus years now has been an absolute blast. Um, and one that I'm 
pretty proud of that like from a guy who kind of came out of college with not that many credentials like I never won a national title and then to still be in the sport is something that I, I look back and I'm like man I really took advantage of the opportunities that that were there um, not saying that I didn't work hard mm-hmm. but there was a lot of good opportunities that like came my way and I and I was able to take full advantage of them yeah how do you think when you navigated that, like what, who were your sounding boards and how did you make those decisions? Because oftentimes it's hard to make those big decisions, especially when you're, you know, 23, 24, 26, you're just not. I probably didn't make all the right decisions. (laughs) Um, I I think it's a lot of cultivating relationships really in my mind Mm -hmm. that has kind of kept me in this game. Um, I had the same coach for 10 years, pretty much my entirety of my track career with Mark Rowland. Um, and then I had another person, a kind of a, a guru of sorts, um, named John Ball. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was really the guy that like, he was there from the very beginning when I came out of school with almost no intention of running at any kind of high level, but getting back into running, um, him and I started kind of like collaborating a little bit and, he was there from like those early days of like, let's just get back to running on a daily basis. Can we do that? Can we string together like a month worth of training to how are we going to navigate like the Olympic final? Like he was the guy that I saw the night before that Olympic final. Um, so we've been through a ton of stuff together. And he was one of the guys that kind of gave me a little bit of, I guess, confidence that like, you'll be able to handle the marathon, like just give yourself the opportunity to like really dive into the training and just enjoy it. I think you're going to have a lot of success or at least you'll have the enjoyment of like saying like, Hey, you were able to do this. So that was one reason like I kind of took this step. Yeah. Do you think you had to hear that? Like, did you have to have someone, did you need someone to tell you that or would you have planted that seed in yourself all, all alone? <sighs> no, I definitely needed to hear it. Cause I think like, on the surface, it probably makes no sense. Like mm. when I've talked to other marathoners and they're like, Oh, tell me about like your long runs in the past. Like, why do you have confidence in this marathon? I'm like, Oh, I've run like 16 miles for mm-hmm. my long run. Uh, I've never done more than like 10 to 12 K worth of work. And they're like, you have no shot. <laughs> um, and, and really talking to John and talking to Brian a little bit, they're like, but the promise that you show over that stuff, is huge. Um, mm. so, I kind of needed somebody to look at it and be like, you'll be able to hold up to it. And I think that was the, one of the scariest parts is like, can I, can I change what I do from the track and change a little bit of my stride and change kind of things that I'm good at and make those things a, a strong, maybe positive experience for the marathon. So when did you meet John Ball? Cause you ran in the 2016 Olympics you were yep. eighth in the finals in Rio. So yep. at that point in your career, were you just like so laser focused on 15, like this wasn't even part of your storyline in the future that you thought of? No, not not really. I knew I wanted to do like dabble in some more like longer distance stuff. Like I, I thought I'd make kind of a transition from 16 Rio to 20 Tokyo to like the 5k I really thought that was kind of more of my trajectory and then like 510 to like bigger stuff after that um and obviously that that didn't play out that way 
so kind of here we are. So kind of a rapid timeline. Okay. And so I kind of like veered off there. When did you meet John Ball then? Uh, I met John early 2012, 2011. Um, So a long time now, maybe 2012, I think. And you mentioned he was kind of like, let's get you back to running every day. Because I read somewhere that you, after college, took a little break, worked at an excavation company. So is he part of that storyline? Like, were you like, "Mm, I think I need to like, see what I can actually do here? Yeah, so I I came out 2011, having run fairly well um, in Europe. Um, Not great, but well enough that I thought like, okay, maybe there's something to do um, post-collegiately. And then I ended up getting hurt pretty quick after that, like summer. Um, And I ended up like, you know, you come out of school and there's like, okay, if you're not part of a group or you don't have a sponsorship, you're, your support kind of just kind of goes away, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, now you're just like rapidly making decisions for yourself and you're trying to like decide what's, what's my best decision now? Um, and I probably didn't make all the best decisions. Like I, I was having all this hip pain and instead of like figuring out how to address that, I was like, I'm just going to get surgery. This, this makes sense. I talked to a surgeon who likes to do surgery and he said, this is going to fix me. So I did this hip surgery to kind of fix my labrum to clean out my hip socket. And then it was like, I did the surgery and then there was like, what's the next step? Well, the next step was like trying to do rehab and stuff. And I thought for a little while that fall, like, okay, I'm going to be fine for 2012. It's going to all go really well. And obviously that didn't happen. I wasn't able to run very much. Um, I got hurt again. Um, And then I met John and John was really like kind of committed, like, let's get you back to running a couple days a week. Let's get you back to running a little bit. Um, and then it was kind of just a slow timeline. So I felt like with that, with him, like we, we kind of went through this ringer together. He is a talked about guy. Like I feel like I've talked to a lot of people <laughs> that are like, he's a wizard. He just knows what to do. Yeah. Is he doing physical therapy, chiropractic work? What is, what does he do? Uh, he does a bunch of different stuff. Mainly he just hits me in the head with a hammer and he's like, you're an <laughs> idiot. Stop doing this. Uh, this is not making you any better. Um, but no, truthfully, I think like it's kind of all around. I think like he sees it in such a different way. He was the first person that I ever saw that was like, this is what's wrong. It has nothing to do with the surgery. It has nothing to do with this stuff. You're just not moving well. Mm. Um, And as like a young, impressionable kid, I was like, that totally makes sense. And really was just having confidence. And I think by now, uh, it's just like coming out of treatment, knowing that I'm going to move better, knowing that like this stuff has really helped, that like it just keeps snowballing. Hey, friends, a quick break here to let you know about Prevenex. Prevenex has clinically effective supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health. If you are looking for a great multivitamin, you know, you like go to Target or the drugstore and you're like, what, what do I pick? I don't know if these companies are legit, if their ingredients are high quality. You don't have to wonder with Prevenex because I will tell you their ingredients are high quality. So if you just need a regular multivitamin to incorporate into your everyday life, you can even get on a subscription plan with them. So you don't even have to think about it. This is the multivitamin I take every single day. 
It's complete, comprehensive, and it's sourced with the highest quality, most clinically effective ingredients at levels where studies show you can get clinical benefits. And if you don't feel the difference, they'll give you your money back. They believe in their product so much. I also love their protein powder. I use it after a hard workout, shake it up with some water, eat a banana with it. So I'm getting my protein and carbs all together. Their protein powder is also vegan if that's something you care about. And my kids love it too. We sprinkle it on their peanut butter and bananas and they love it. And then if you're looking for a joint supplement, they also have a great joint supplement that offers comprehensive and complete protection. So many people I know use it, including myself, and they're like, whoa, I cannot believe the difference that I've seen. Like, it's almost unbelievable. So you will get your money back if you don't see a difference. I trust that you will though. I'm very passionate about this company and the work they do to make sure their products are quality. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER or Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, 1-5 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. All right, so tell us about your experience with the Oregon Track Club. Yeah, Mark Mark took a chance on me. Um, at that point, I had a Nike contract, and Mark took a chance of, like, come out, come run with us, and kind of go from there. And I, I credit Mark a lot because I'm kind of a guy that's like I don't do great at like team environments I really I, I want to have my own independence I don't want to meet every day it's not something that like I I really enjoy interesting and I I give him a ton of credit of being like you haven't had any success come out but I'll allow you to do your own thing like go to flag when you feel like you need to train and make kind of some independent decisions so i give him a ton of credit in in terms of in terms of a giving me that freedom really early on yeah i wonder if a lot of coaches with groups do allow that i mean you clearly needed it i i did need it and i i think that was one thing that mark i give him all the credit for the world of like recognizing that right away and running these running this group as an independent like the things he allowed Hassan to do were very different than the things he him and I had and I feel like we all had very different relationships with him and the mark I knew was probably completely different than somebody else yeah and you mentioned Hassan you ran with him in college yeah it was he part of joining that group because was he already there and you wanted to be you wanted to train with him a little bit um I I don't know who signed on first, if I did or he did. Um, Hassan and I actually competed against each other in high school. So we go a long way back. Um, So we've known each other for a really long time. Um, And it was one of these things where, like, just happened to both come here. We just happened to kind of train. But we'd really never trained that much together, um, shockingly, like, a handful of times. Um, we never ran that much together. We collaborated on the track a little bit, but it was really a relationship that I've always really enjoyed. I'm curious more about this, like wanting to train on your own more, even though being part of a group. I'm curious where's that comes from in you. Are you someone who is introverted? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Psychologically, I don't know. I think big thing for me was like, I like getting out the door and just running how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like being able to make those decisions mm-hmm. in training. Um, a lot of stuff, right? Like 
if you're thinking about like, especially middle distance training, right? There's those like key sessions, especially like on the track that are hard to do by yourself. So it's really nice to collaborate for those sessions. But I always felt like the tempo stuff, the, mm-hmm. the longer kind of like, we got to check this box to get the strength done was always easy enough on my own. And I always felt like if I could navigate that stuff on my own, I, I could be better for those harder sessions. Um, and, and and that may or may not be true. That's just how I always felt. Like if I could run how I felt on those days and come in with more positivity in those harder sessions, I'd be better off. And I always felt like navigating my own career was really important to me. Yeah. And I can totally see that being true too, because like if you're doing a long tempo run and you're not feeling it that day and you're like, my body is telling me I need to push this to tomorrow, but you are meeting up with five people and it's like on the schedule, like your run the next day is going to be so much better, but you feel forced to do it if you're with the group. Yeah. Or just like, just how you move through those miles, I think is really important, right? Like the difference between 455 and 505 isn't much, but it might make all the difference for that week. Um, Uh Or you have a really good day and like you want to run faster. I don't know. I I always felt like that stuff always helped me be like, okay, let's just kind of figure this stuff out on my own and go from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And sometimes I wonder with the big groups um, if people get injured more because they're stuck to this schedule with the group rather than really being intuitive about listening to their body instead of like, I have to do this this day. And I also think it's a maturity thing too, right? Like if you're a younger athlete, you're like, I have to do exactly what my coach tells me to do. And that comes with time realizing like, ah, I have to listen to my body or I'm going to get injured. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I go both ways on it. I think like, that stuff is totally true. And then I've been hurt a ton and mm-hmm. I've trained a ton by myself. Um, I, I think it's kind of a stubbornness, really. I'm not great. Like, there's a good example of this weekend on Sunday. I was supposed to do this 11 by a mile. Um, and it was probably the first time in my career that I was like, I took the like mature step and I was like, all right, I've had a super long weekend with a bunch of stuff outside of running that have kind of made me tired and I was going to push the session from a.m. to p.m. and it was kind of like afternoon and I was like I'm just not feeling awesome like Mm -hmm. I'm just pretty tired why don't we go tomorrow and that was like the toughest and it doesn't sound very tough but that was a super tough decision one that like kind of eats at me it's like why didn't I set this session up better why was I not prepared to do it now I'm gonna have to shift around my days next week um and I, and I take that stuff way too serious to be like, it's 24 hours. It's not that big a deal. But in my mind, it's like, it's on the calendar. I've thought about it. Let's, let's go knock it out. And it kind of kills me to push it back, a, push it back a day. Does it kill you because you just want to get it done and you want it to be over or because it messes up the rest of your week? Uh, I think it's like this accountability. I think running on your own as a full-time athlete it's really easy to be like, I'm just going to run later in the day. I'm going to sleep in and I'm going to, you know, enjoy my morning and I'll be more rested. And I think like the accountability, especially when you start, like I 
in 16, I spent a lot of time up in flag on my own. And I had to go do a bunch of really tough sessions on the track. And it was like, nobody will know if I take an extra 30 seconds here to have a better rep. But I was like, I will know. Mm. I will know that like I took 15 more seconds. And I always felt like holding myself to those margins or holding myself accountable was one big factor about why I had success was that like Mm. I was able to say like, today is what I'm going to do. It might suck. It might be super hard. The weather might not be perfect, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. I wonder how much that of that self, like I know I rested that extra 15 seconds, how much goes into that and how much goes into like a coach and teammates knowing like what's more important and what factors more into the ultimate success. I I don't know. Probably depends on the person, right? Yeah, probably depends on, and and there's tons of people that are like nonchalant about stuff. Mm. Like it just doesn't matter. We're just Mm -hmm. getting work done and this is how it's going to go. And it's totally cool. Um, I just, I've never had, I've never have been able to have that mindset. Do you work with a psychologist or anything on like sports psychologist on that part of training? No, I just go run 90 minutes by myself and think about how insane I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you mentioned you were doing other things outside of running. What was your weekend full of? Uh, it was really junk. Uh, I think <laughs> I, nothing, nothing productive. I'll say nothing, nothing worthwhile. Just like small stuff that like I hate going to the grocery store. It's like my nemesis. Um, so like going to the grocery store is a big thing. Um, I think I went there. Um, it's just like random errands that like normal people do all the time. That I just like, I loathe. Uh, you need to get an, on Instacart. I, I, yeah, I, I need to, you know, I'm, I'm old and I need to figure out something. And every, like a lot of those stuff fall to my partner and she's amazing. She like, totally gets it and I feel like we collaborate a lot about like how we're gonna have success and having success has not been going to the grocery store (laughs) I just come back with random assortments and stuff yeah it can be a stressful event you definitely don't want to go hungry right um what does she do um she was the head of communications at Oregon 2022 um so she just finished up which was incredible for um she was kind of part of the original bid for the champs way back when. Um, and it's this really cool, like full circle achievement really of like working on the bid, getting the champs and then kind of going through this COVID, like Mm. it was insane about like, okay, how are we going to change? How are we going to postpone a year? Um, now there's a new stadium. Um, and then executing on world was just super cool to see. It was, something that I'm super proud of for her of like being able to see behind the scenes Mm -hmm. about like how does the world champs actually come together well there's a lot of long nights there's a lot of lost sleep um and it's something that like she did amazing at and it was super cool to like see the world come to Eugene a place that we've lived for a long time now and have this super positive experience That is so cool. Okay, so with jobs like that, it's like when the event is over, then is she just like, okay, putting my resume out for other jobs? Like that's a huge, big, long-term experience, but is it a long-term job? It's not like getting a job at some company, right? 
Yeah, uh, she went from like kind of like one thing to the next for a long time. Like she worked at Portland Indoors in 2016. She worked at the trials um, in in 16 and 20. Um, and then this. So it's been this really long career of like one thing to the next. And this is the first year where she she didn't go from one thing to the next. Um, and this kind of fall break where like she was able to go home and go relax in Greece and then come up to flag and spend four weeks with me has been awesome. Um, and it's one of the things where like, it just hasn't happened for a long time. Cause it's like you get done with a champs or get done with a trials and then there's debrief. And then it's like, okay, I'm right back into the next one. Um, so this has been really cool. It's been really cool to see like, okay, what do I want to do now? Now that I've done this for four years, five years, what do I want to do now? Yeah, I think that's really cool. And I think a lot of adults, we don't give ourselves that freedom. We think we have to move straight on to the next thing because that's what you do. But if you have the ability to take a breather and say, okay, <laughs> let me break yeah. here for a minute. Like that time is so valuable and you're not getting it back. You're just going to get older. So I really salute her for having the maturity to make that decision to like take a breather. Yeah, no, I do too. And I'm like, cause I think there's a few things I'm like, I think, I think right now would be great. Um, selfishly. I'm like, Oh, you can come bike with me on my long run. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> does she sometimes? Yes. Yes. Yes, she does. Um, really, that's what made this build up, especially being here away from Ryan and being back. It's really seeing Eugene in a new perspective of like, yeah, I'm not on the track. I'm, I'm now working out somewhere else. I'm now learning new routes and new training venues in Eugene or in the surrounding areas. Um, something super enjoyable. Um, doing 22 miles by yourself would probably be okay. Um, there'd be a little bit of like back end of like, where do I put my bottles to pick them up? Um, but having her out there is amazing. It's been this awesome experience. That's so great. Okay. We have to dive into Ryan Hall coaching you and what this marathon build up training long process looks like. So when you decide to officially go into marathon training, you decide to hang up coaching with Mark and move to Ryan? Yeah. And it was one of those things where like, I, I, I knew I wanted to do something a little bit different and I knew my relationship with Mark and I was super proud of everything we accomplished, mm. but I was also ready for like a little bit of a new perspective. And I think it's hard to sometimes see new perspectives in such a long relationship. Um, and him and I got on really well, but having the opportunity to work with Ryan um, was huge. I, I've always had this idea of I want to be coached by people who who have done what I I want to do. Right? I was coached by Steve Pesenche, who made Olympic teams. I was coached by Mark Rowland, who made you know who won a medal in the steeple, and now having the opportunity to be coached by you know the American record holder was just something that I couldn't not take advantage of. That is so cool. So what was your relationship with Ryan 
before like did you go to him and ask him to coach you had you guys been talking I know you mentioned you had talked in 2019 so how how did you all know each other outside of like everybody in the running world knows each other but what was that relationship like uh I think we were friends for a little bit and I think that dynamic uh gave me a little bit of confidence um Sarah and Ryan had been down at John. So we had talked a lot casually down there. Um, and then in 2019, I was training for a world champ um, up in flag and Ryan, just a super curious guy, I think. And was like, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're doing to get ready for this. And like, I can like, I don't know, hold a watch or something. And I, I can't remember all the details about how we became friends, but it was kind of through that. Um, and now I think like moving into a coach athlete relationship or our relationship has evolved and it's been one I'm super excited about if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you're, you're in Eugene, he's in Flagstaff. So what does that look like with coaching? Does he come out and see you sometimes? Do you go out and train in Flagstaff sometimes? Yeah. I've always split my time. Um, even like for the last years, I've always spent like, big camps up in flag, come back, go back to flag. Um, so I've spent a lot of my running career in Flagstaff um, and one that I'm going to continue. Um, so it's really like maybe half and half, maybe it's 65, 70% in flag, the rest here or flip-flop kind of depending on what we're going to do. Um, so there's a lot of long overlap. Hey everybody, as we head into cold and flu season, I don't know about you, but I don't want to deal with it. You can take some preventative measures by using elderberry syrup. And I have an awesome human who is part of this podcast network who has her own elderberry syrup. Her and her husband own a small farm and they source the highest quality ingredients for their products. What is elderberry? It is an immune modulating herb which brings balance to the immune system, reducing stress, decreasing inflammation, and helping to prepare the body for cold and flu season naturally. If you do get sick, it's proven to help reduce severity and duration. It's also safe for kids to take. If your kids are under one, you can use their DIY kit that they have available on their website and use maple syrup or your favorite sweetener instead. The elderberry syrup that they have Also has the addition of healing herbs like cinnamon, gingers, rose hips, which is huge for vitamin C and clove. Elderberry syrup helps you stay on top of your health all year long. Listen, my kids are coming home with colds left and right, and I've been downing this. I was downing the elderberry before the New York City Marathon, and I'm downing it after because they're coughing all over me. And knock on wood, I'm not sick yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Even if I do get sick, though, I am hoping that the elderberry syrup decreases the severity of it like it's proven to do. Um, This is a small family-owned business as well. I always feel like things made in small batches, you can bet that that's probably better quality than what you're buying massively produced at the grocery store. They put a lot of love into their products. You can go to greengrowers.farm and when you use the code SANDYBOY at your checkout, that'll get you free shipping. So that's greengrowers.farm and use the code SANDYBOY at checkout. And I got to tell you, it's actually really tasty. Like you could add it into your 
oatmeal, or I just take a tablespoon and, and down it. But it's it's actually a really delicious tasting syrup. Um, again, that's greengrowers.farm. Use the code SANDYBOY and get yourself some free shipping. All right, friends, back to the show. So, okay, with Ryan and coaching for the marathon, you have mentioned, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, like this is a really long process and a really long game. So what does that look like now? Where are you at in the process? Right now, I'm just kind of conditioning myself to actually get out and run. Um, That's one of the big things, I think, is like getting my body used to moving for two hours. I think that's one of the biggest changes is getting used to like 20 miles. How's my body going to respond over 22 miles and it, and it's building that up slowly um and one that i'm one that's super challenging i think being exposed and being out there for so long has a lot of the same dynamics as running a really good 15 but it's just such an extended period of time and it's one that like you kind of go through like for me already it's kind of like okay how's my body gonna feel at 90 minutes how's it going to feel at you know 20 miles and kind of just working through those things um it's kind of a totally new experience and one that i'm pretty excited about and are you do you think i know you're not making any announcements here but do you think a spring marathon is in your future are you looking to like fall of 2023 um i think right now like when ryan and i first started talking about it it was like okay what's kind of our game like, and what's kind of like, what's kind of the game plan and what are we really looking at targeting? And then it was like, the trials aren't that far away. When mm-hmm. you start thinking about like a marathon timeline, which I was totally new at, I was like, okay, for 15 or for track where, you know, you go to, go to camp for eight, 10 weeks, you maybe spend four weeks, you know, prior, and then you're right into racing. And it's like, the long build for a marathon. Um, it's a very long build for a marathon. And it's one that like, I don't have any experience at. Um, so once we started putting like dates on a piece of paper, it was like, well, the trials are not that far away. Mm-hmm. And if we have to run our best marathon by the trials, then it's really being strategic about where we might debut. Yeah. Gosh. Cause it's like <laughs> this February will be a year. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not that far away. I can't even like, I mean, I guess with COVID those couple years just kind of like at least one of them was such a blur that it's like, I'm just picturing the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. And I'm like, that will be four years ago. Yeah. In one year. Like yeah, that wild. seems wild. Yeah. Did you go, did you go watch those trials? No, I've watched them a bunch on play. Um, and then kind of knowing some backstories, I think helps. Um, I'm, I'm really, I think one thing that I've done really well in my career and one that I would pass on is like watch footage, Mm. study the sport and really understand why, the people that make teams are making teams. And I think a lot of it shows in videos and a lot of it shows, especially people with longevity. I think you can see maturity through races and I think you can see decision-making. 
Um, so I've always been one that's like watched a ton of footage. I'm, it sounds like I'm a big dork and maybe I am. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that's really helped me in my success about like, let's really understand what it's like to run a marathon via watching a ton of footage. I mean, you kind of have to be a big dork if you're going to be at the level you're at, right? Maybe. I, maybe you can do it better. Maybe you can be cooler. Uh, <laughs> I've just become a dork, I guess. Um, to be that, like, for lack of a better word, obsessed with a sport or uh, whatever it is you're obsessed with, like, to be at that level, you have to kind of be, you have to be all in and know all the things. And yeah. When you're saying that, I mean, I immediately thought of Kobe Bryant because wasn't he known for like constantly watching footage of every game and and just being like the ultimate student of the sport? You just don't think of doing that with running as much because of the rate. I don't know. I think of the training over the racing, but you're so right with that maturity and the racing. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. And I don't know why our sport doesn't do it more like most 15s have always been run like they're just duplicates of history really mm. i think there's nuances and new things but like if you start watching back footage and i think one tough part is that we don't have great access to footage like youtube and watching videos have come a long way especially like if i think five ten years ago the access now is huge but i don't know why it hasn't become an instrument in terms of coaching like, especially at a younger age, like high school level, like why, and maybe there are some programs that I'm, I'm not aware of, but like why watching races, is it more part of the, of the culture? I, yeah, I totally agree with that. And even harder with marathons, right? Cause you're just like getting yeah. cut-ins of ins and outs. And, um, if you really want to watch, like when people make moves, what are their facial expressions? Like, what do you think they're thinking at that moment in time? Exactly. And I think it's, it's especially tough. Like if you watch, you know, Chicago, we didn't get much of the American side, right? Like one or two shots. So like how that race unfolded for Connor Mann mm-hmm. is really aware for Connor Mann, but it's, I, I'm totally unaware of like, how did, how did it go for him? How did some miles unfold for him? Um, that'll kind of remain a mystery. Totally, because they just have the cameras on that front pack. Yeah. Um, will you talk to people like Connor, like first-time marathoners, to kind of get that scoop on what that first experience was like? The people that are fresh on it, because you talk to someone yeah. who's done, you know, six marathons for six years that might not be so fresh in their memory. Yeah. I think I have some like Pat Tiernan. Um, he was out here for a little while. So having the opportunity to talk to him was huge. Um, I think it's, it's probably easier to talk to people that you probably won't be directly competing yeah. against. Uh-huh. Um, Connor would be like, it was super easy, super <laughs> easy. Never felt better. Um, and I'll get to like mile 12 and I'll be like, this is really hard. This is not what he said. It was, like. um, so having those good relationships and I think like having Ryan have all different experiences, right? He ran extremely fast. He had a lot of bad races. He had a lot of great races. Um, and then talking to like a guy like Rory Linkletter, who is kind of getting into his own um, and talking about his first experiences have all kind of worth their weight in gold. 
Totally. And, you know, one of my favorite things about Ryan that he mentioned on this podcast is like he just so badly wants to help other people through what he learned, you know, yeah. um, he had some just huge successes, you know, one of the greatest marathoners of all time in our country. And it's like, but he knows he had some things that he didn't do right. And he wants to like make sure these other guys coming up don't make those decisions. And that passion is so obvious. It's so obvious. So yeah. I think it's so cool that you have the opportunity to work with him. Yeah, no, I think it's super cool as well. Um, when you were thinking about marathon training, were you just like, it's gotta be Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that kind of right away. Um, I, I think there was part of me that was like, truthfully, I think if I look back, I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have mm-hmm. flipped over after 19 and just been like, okay, I, I was 13th in the world in 19. I, I, I was first out in the heat. Let's now totally switch over. But I think that like that obsession or that passion of being like, I want to make it back to to the final in Tokyo for 15 was so high. Mm. Um, and it was probably one that was hard. It was really hard. It's really hard to look at yourself and be like, okay, I got to make really critical, tough decisions. Um, and one, I just wasn't probably ready to make it. It seemed like, okay, we, we made a couple mistakes in 19. How do we change those for 20? And then with COVID coming around, I, sh- I should have looked back and been like, okay, this is my time to change over. Let's get ready and, and let's start doing this build. Um, but it was one that was super clear and one that was really obvious. Like, let's take this opportunity um, fully and let's jump right into it. And I think that's why a lot of people have asked, like, why, why aren't you going to run the five or why aren't you going to run the 10? Um, and I haven't ruled those out. I, I think running a good 10K is still in my future. But again, it comes back to that like marathon timeline, like the trials for the marathon yeah. are not that far away. It's like, I, I think for the same reasons why I didn't go from 16 to 20, from 15 to five, mm. it's like, well, I'm really good at the 15. Let's just keep doing it. The training's not that different, but it was one that I never fully jumped into, um, especially when you still have a lot of success for the, for the 15. And I felt like, with Ryan, the whole perspective is going to be marathon um, and one that we're going to be fully in on and then kind of make decisions off of that. Yeah. I mean, you when you really talk about that timeline, it's kind of like, this is this is it. This is it. You can't get started in six months here. No, no, no. We're started now. Uh, what are you most excited about with this new venture? Um, I think my the thing that I'm really excited about is being 20 miles into a marathon and having those conversations with myself about mm-hmm. like, how am I going to make these decisions? And, and that's stuff that I really look forward to in the 15. It's like, okay, you're a thousand meters into this, this 15 that you've been waiting for, for three years or four years or whatever. And it's like, how do you make those decisions and how do you have those conversations within yourself and I think with the marathon you have that timeline it's such a long one that Mm -hmm. it's like okay let's let's see how this kind of plays out so that's what I'm really looking forward to it's like 
how do you feel at 20 miles and how are you going to make those decisions? Wow. It sounds like you're most excited about that uh, mental space that everybody gets in where it kind of gets scary because you're like, okay, this is truly like, again, for lack of a better word, like suffering for 10K here. And how am I going to make the decision to A, stay in it and and give it everything, you know? And so I find that super intriguing that that's the part that I think most people are scared of that you're like, I'm most excited to see what that's going to be like. Yeah, I think that's kind of like, right? You kind of see the best of people when like, you know, the heat's turned up and Mm -hmm. things are like not going great. It's like, how are you going to make those decisions when there's a ton of pressure? Um, So I'm super excited to see how I personally react to that. Okay. Maybe you, I don't know, maybe not a weird question. Have you read Dina's book, Let Your Mind Run? I haven't. No. You should read that. Okay. I really think you should going into the marathon because just the way she talks about how she trained her mind to be her best self and like held her character to this standard. And it, it became more about like what she was willing to give over like what place she was getting. Um, and you know, you're an Olympian, like, you know, all these things, but in the marathon, I think especially like, I feel like this book will be good and yeah, I recommend it. Nice. Well, I will, I will give it a go. Yeah, get that get that in on your marathon training for the mental training. <laughs> Let me know if you actually read it though. I think I think you'll like it. Yeah, no, I will. I think my I think one question I had for you, right, is that you interviewed a ton of people, a copious amounts of people over the years. It's like what's one thing, whether it's running related or not, that's kind of stuck with you that's like every once in a while it maybe comes into mind. Ooh, I love that question. Um I mean Kind of going back to Dina, what I was saying about Dina, I think I think reading her book and interview, I've probably interviewed Dina like four or five times and in person a couple times, which has been really impactful for me. And I, I do think it's like at the end of the day, it's not about what anybody else sees or thinks of you or cares. It's like, what were you willing to give? Like, what were you willing to do? And um, there's just so much internal motivation that ultimately is um, where people see the success. Like when you're internally motivated versus externally motivated and caring about those, um, like the success other people see, you know? And I think that Steph Bruce is another really great example of that. It's like, she's someone who has just hammered for so long. And of course, making an Olympic team has been a dream for her, you know, but like that hasn't happened. But ultimately, like that's not where she sees what that ultimate success is in her career. It's like all the things that all the training and experiences that have gone into this like big fuller picture, like that's what matters. Did I ramble? No, 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 that's super. I, I really like that. But it's really been cool because, you know, I've been had the opportunity to talk to people that have been hundred meter, you know, runners that are Olympians all the way to someone like Scott Jurek, who is like an ultra legend. And to be able to like 
get into the brains of these people that are doing these like superhuman things has been yeah. a really big honor. So I really appreciate you asking me that because it's giving me a moment to reflect on like what these people have to say. And some people take the interviews seriously and some people don't. And when, when people really let you get into it and, and share like where their mind has gone, like let your mind run. Um, yeah. it's really, really special. No, that's awesome. And I, I, I'd imagine that between the ultra and the hundred at some level, there's a lot of similarities. It's, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of <laughs> intensity in both. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely different, but very similar in the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. This has been so fun and I am really excited. We're going to be watching to see when you make the announcement of what this first marathon is going to be. I please. Yeah. Follow along. Um, I'm, I'm pretty open. I put pretty much everything up on Strava. Um, and really this next thing is kind of like an experiment, right? It's like, let's see what happens. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up here with our end of the podcast questions. Uh, what, Ben, is something personally or professionally that you have not done that you would like to do? Uh, professionally would be make two Olympic teams. Um, that's something that I always – the first one is kind of pure luck, right? And then the second one is like, eh, you're okay. You've made two. Great. Um, and then if you're Obdi, it's like, man, you're you're pretty good. <laughs> um so that's, that's kind of my goal. I think maybe personally my goal, and, and it's going to sound insane, is um, I had an opportunity with a friend to kind of on a, on a whim with like six hours notice and absolutely no training um, bike from my house to the coast, which is roughly 100 miles. Mm. Um, and we did it with zero planning. We immediately ran out of water. Um <laughs> But it was an absolute blast. And from there, I was kind of inspired. Like, I have the opportunity now to, like, a bike to the coast. Now can I take a canoe? Can I portage a canoe from my house to the river and go to the ocean? So that's the second part. And then the third part would be, like, can I run to the coast? Um, and out of all that stuff, it probably won't happen anytime soon. But that's like one thing I, I would like to be able to do. Be like, I've made it on three different ways to get to the ocean. Well, yeah. Is that challenging sometimes, though, to have those fun, different, like, what is that type B fun or whatever goals? But you have to put them on hold a little bit because, like, the running thing has to take priority over doing that. Yeah. My house is kind of surrounded by half done projects because I'm like, Oh, I, I have like one day right now. It's like my off day in the fall. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, Oh, that's going to take way too much time. I'll try that next year. <laughs> and then it's been like five, 10 years and I still haven't done it. Oh, there's, there's a, there's a little balance there. It'll, it'll eventually come though. Yeah. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Uh, into the raging by Rachel Slade, I think her name is. Um, it's about a cargo ship um, that sadly sank um, and kind of the backstory about why it sank. And it was a super intense book, mostly because they have the, she has the ability to listen in on the black box of the recording about Oof. before it sank, which is really intense. Um, 
And it's kind of about all these decisions that go into why it sank. Um, and it was one book that really, like, I'm not a big book reader. Um, I mostly get like two pages in and fall asleep and then it makes it really slow. Um, but that was one book that like kind of kept me up and I was like eager to like get to read it. So I highly recommend it. Um, who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Uh, probably, uh, I think it's, he, he's now Sir Robin Knox Johnson. Um, he was the first person to sail solo around the world. It took him basically a year. Um, and he was this guy that was pretty much unknown. Um, he built his own boat. He didn't have any corporate sponsorships back in, I think it was 68 or 67 when he started. Um, and it was part of the global or the golden globe, um, race. And he just did it. And I, I'm always inspired by people who are like, where something seems super hard and unattainable, right? And then somebody's just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I think I can do it. I can do it. And he was a guy that was like, yeah, I can do this. Um, so it'd be super, super cool to sit down um, and talk to him about like, how did you know you can do this? Um, where did that come from? Um, and what gave you the belief, right? Whether it was like, you know, sailing around the UK or sailing, like what gave you the confidence? And maybe there wouldn't be any, maybe it was like, I thought I was going to get to like, you know, halfway and just quit. Or like, I'd be so far back that like, they'd make me drop out. But then he, then he does it. He's the first person to sail, you know, solo around the world. Gosh, there's so many pieces that go into that mentally too. Like, yeah, it would be really lonely. I mean, and dangerous yeah. and scary. Yeah, yeah, and, and but it, it's something that like I think like is super cool that like all those things get asked of you, and then it's like, oh, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just yeah. gonna go do it. Yeah, is he still alive? He is. I think. I uh, I think he's like eighty five plus at the moment you're gonna um, need to get on that i might i might i might need to get on it whenever i ask this question to people i mean a lot of people will say like michelle obama or something like that and i'm like well i yeah. don't know how realistic that is but i feel like for yeah. a professional athlete getting in touch with a guy like this like you could actually probably do that <laughs> yeah I, I i think he, he's a big deal he's a pretty big deal in the uk um but maybe you never know. I feel like I've met incredible amount of people um, in my running career that like I I'm like just a dude from Minnesota. Um, I have friends who haven't left the state of Minnesota, and now I've gone to pretty much every continent since Antarctica. And it's like, man, these experiences are are wild. Like I've run with so many people where there isn't there is such a huge language barrier, but like running with that universal language that I feel super honored to have. That's so cool. Like it's such a, it's a world connection. Yeah. Worldwide yeah. connection that running has given you that opportunity, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? Uh, maybe that, uh, maybe that like running is kind of this universal language. Um, and one that like, you don't have to speak the same language. Um, and there's so many small nuances of just like putting on your shoes and going for a run with somebody that like, you don't have to be able to communicate, but you can, you know, 
you can have this moment with somebody. I love that. You got to lean into that moment. You got to <laughs> let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Ben. No, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ben, for coming on the show. You can find Ben on social media. He is Ben F. Blankenship on Instagram. You can find me. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram, at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And we'd love to have you join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Check out our sponsors, Inside Tracker, insidetracker.com slash another. Get 20% off your first order with them. Use the code another for that. Or you can just go to the direct landing page, uh, prevenex.com. Use the code another or Lindsay 15, and that'll get you 15% off there. And then, of course, the elderberry syrup. One of the amazing hosts in my podcast network, Stacy, host of the Urban Pharmacy. Her and her husband own this business. Um, use the code SandyBoy for free shipping. You can learn more about this podcast network and everything we talked about in the show in the show notes at SandyBoyProductions.com. Email me anytime if you have suggestions or thoughts about the show, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can also email my editor, assistant, amazing human, Emma, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next week with three more episodes. We'll see you next week.